songbook, it does the fourth verses, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. The guy who wrote that, John Noon, that wrote that song, didn't write that verse. Someone else wrote that verse and added it there, but there are like several other verses to the song that he wrote, and these were two of them that are in that song. And so we're glad that you're here this morning. Now, we got two passages for you to find this morning in the Bible. I think you can do it this morning, okay? 1 Peter chapter 1 and Matthew chapter number 7. 1 Peter 1 and Matthew chapter number 7. And so, I don't hear many Bibles turning there. We'll see. Or some people may have forgot their Bibles today. There's nothing, they got to do on an iPad. They need to make it so that it sounds like pages turning when you're flipping in your iPad to get to that spot in the Bible. There's a something, I like the noise of hearing those pages flip in a Bible. And so, and then if you have your iPad, I don't know if you're really listening to a sermon or getting ready for football season or getting your fantasy team going or what you're doing, depending on what you do with all that stuff. And I'm just glad Russ doesn't know how to use one of those things because he might be trying to watch baseball during church instead of doing what he's supposed to do. I'm just glad you don't know, you don't even know what that stuff is, so that works out good there, Russ. All right. First Peter chapter number one, we'll start there. And then we'll get to Matthew chapter 7 in a couple minutes. First uh, Peter chapter 1, look down with me in verse number 22. First Peter 1 verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and the unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Father, I pray that you bless the next few minutes that we have here this morning. We need you this morning. You're so good to us. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for being in control of all things, and I pray morning that as we look at your word that you would help us today and grow us today through your word we love you we need you in jesus name i pray amen i had someone after last service last service the sermon only went 33 minutes so they were like the past two sundays you've only been averaging 30 minutes i like that and i'm like just wait but it's one of those things as we're going through this book I could have done, because last week we were in verse number 13 through 21, I really should have gone through 25. But we would have been here an hour or so if I did all that, so when you split it up, sometimes it just happens that way. So don't come bragging to me when you get out a little bit earlier than what you think, because then I'm going to remember that next week, and so we'll see what happens then. First Peter chapter 1, we've seen a lot already opening up in this chapter. From the very beginning, we see that Peter was writing to a group of Christians, mentioned there in the first verse, that are a little scattered out from Rome. Rome is suffering persecution under Nero at this time. And so Peter's writing to encourage them about the persecution that's probably in the trials coming their way, the fiery trials coming their way. And so we see he talks about that they have been begotten unto a lively hope. And he reminds them of some blessings about being a Christian. Christian today, in the world that we live, there's a lot of crazy things that are going on in our world, but I want to remind you today, it's still a good day to be a Christian. And God still has all things under control, and it's still it's a, good, it's a good life to live with the Lord today. And Peter reminded those believers there, hey, you've been given, in verse number three, you've been given a lively hope. 
by the resurrection and the death of Jesus Christ. And our hope today is not based in something that we don't understand or something that is afar off that we may not ever see. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, and we know according to God's word that he died, he was buried, he rose again, and we have a lively hope today. This world does not have the hope that we have as believers today. Not only were we given a hope, but in verse 4, it says we're given an inheritance. And not an inheritance that's going to be taxed by the government, or that everyone's going to fight over, or anything like that. It's an inheritance incorruptible, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for us. No one can mess with the inheritance we have coming. Praise God for that today. And if that isn't enough between the lively hope that we have and the inheritance to look forward to, Peter reminds them that we are kept by the power of God. Aren't you glad today that your salvation isn't based on you? And you aren't saved by the things you do? Because I would lose my salvation about a hundred times a day. And then by the time I gained it, I would, what would happen if, by the, if I lost it and then before I could gain it back, I died in between? That wouldn't be a good time to die. I'm glad that my salvation is kept by the power of God and not by myself. And Peter reminds them, because of all that the Lord's done, you can rejoice when the trials in your life come. And trials will come. And trials were going to come to them. And, but God's grace is enough to get you through the whole theme of 1 Peter. God's grace in the midst of trials. 2 Peter, when we get there, will be about growing in our knowledge. And we'll talk more about that when we get there. From there, we see Peter reminded them of the fact that after all the Lord's done, we need to do our best to live holy, separated lives for the Lord. That's where we were last week. And I know that in and of ourselves, we cannot do it on our own. We need the Lord. We need his help. But you are a child of God today. And let's be honest. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back and listen to the message. Your life should be different than the way the world lives their life. You are set apart for God. You are his child. And you think about this. You belong to God. You're one of his children today. And God's people need to live like that. Walk as God's children. And there's so much more I could say about that, but that was last week's message, and you can go back and listen to that if you need to. We see in verse number 22, it says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a, fure, with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Isn't it a blessing to see last week we saw we were not redeemed with corruptible things as gold and silver, but we are redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And then we see today that our salvation being born again is not based on something corruptible, but incorruptible, the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Hey, Christian, I don't think we realize today what we have in our hands today. If we realized what we truly have in God's word, we would read it more than what we do. Let me ask you a question for you to answer in your head only, okay? Did you read your Bible this week? Did you spend time in God's word? Oh, pastor, life's busy. I didn't have time. How much television did you watch this week? It's quiet when we talk about these things. God's word abideth forever. Our flesh will fail us. All the things we do in this life 
will fade away. But this book will never fade away. The Bible tells us it is truth. Thy word is truth. We live in a world today where everyone thinks they know the truth. But what they do is they give you their version of what they think the truth is. If you want a good example of that, you can, and don't, don't really do this. I stopped doing this a while back. It changed my life. Just don't watch any news. Say, oh, Pastor, you need to know everything. No, you don't. I really don't. Because all it does is irritate me, and I don't know who's telling the truth and who's not, and it gets me in a bad mood. I'm in a much better mood not watching the news at all. Take your hour news time and read God's word. It'll do you a lot better in the long run. But turn on a couple different news channels, and same story, but they have a different twist on it. And they feel that they are telling you the truth. But what they're doing is they're giving you their narrative and pushing their truth on you. What they want you to think is true. Right? And I know there are some people out here, well, I don't believe any mainstream media. I only follow my YouTubers. How do you know your YouTuber knows what's true? They got this deep, dark tunnel that they're hiding in. They got all figured out. There's one source of truth. It's God's word. Outside of that, you can hope that some things are true, and they might be, but not everything is true. Man, I, um, in the past few years, a lot of weight loss and things. And you can get on Facebook or, and I know Facebook, that's aging me, younger people in the room. What is Facebook? It's something that all of us older folks use. Uh, Instagram, they have those reels and things, and sometimes I'll watch some of them. And I don't know how they know. It's amazing how they know what you, I've lost a lot of weight, so fitness matters to me on something. I'm trying to figure some of that stuff out. And so I'll be trying, and they're like, you don't need to do this to lose weight. And, you, and there's like 10, 20 different people saying different things. And it's like, none of them even know what they're saying. And half of them are way overweight anyway. So why am I going to listen to them when that anyways? But who knows? Anyways, with all that, you don't know what truth is. You know God's word is true. It is the ultimate source of truth. And you have it today. It's not, in God's word, there's no book like God's book over a 1,500-year time span. Think on that for me. 1,500 years. 40 different authors. Well, one, one author. 40 different pens that were used in their own styles over three continents. And God's word does not contradict itself in any place. You say, oh, I've seen a few places where it contradicts. Um, you just don't know the Bible very well. The Bible's always right. If you think it contradicts somewhere, the problem is always us. Because there's so many, you can go through, people had problems, James chapter number 2 and Romans chapter number 4. Abraham was justified by faith. And then in James chapter 2, it says that Abraham was justified by his works. The Bible's contradicting itself. No, take the books in context. In God's eyes, we are justified by faith. In the book of James, is practical Christian living in the world that we live and people see you, and you are justified by your works in the sight of people. So if you just know the Word of God a little bit better, you see it doesn't contradict itself anywhere. God's book is an amazing book. There was a day in your life, if you're saved in this room today, that there was conviction on your heart from the Word of God. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were a dead man, dead woman. No, not spiritually alive at all. And the Word of God was able to penetrate your deadness, and convict you of your need for salvation. 
You see, we're born again today, not by anything that we've done. We're born again by the word of God. You know, it'd be, wouldn't it be nice in this world if things just lasted forever? Things didn't wear out. I was looking yesterday in this room when there were no chairs in here. We've only had this carpet a year and a half. And there's spots all over the place. It would have been nice if the carpet could have stayed the way it was when we first got it, right? Say, how do spots come? My children are part of the blame. That party yesterday, I'm watching, I'm just watching around, and my youngest son, he's five years old, he's carrying a cup of lemonade from there to the back corner there. And if you notice, right there, right there, and right there, that's all my son right there, my five-year-old. And I'm watching him, and he had to make sure the cup was completely full because he wanted a full cup of lemonade. It's half empty by the time he got to his seat, but it was full when it started. And, uh, but things wear out. I was looking on the outside of the building, and the paint job's starting to need to be done again. It's only been eight years since we painted the building. Before that, it was probably like 50 years. I don't know how long it was before it got painted before that. Things don't last. Our bodies start to wear out. <laughs> I knew I'd get some amen somewhere when I say something, right? I don't know how some of you do it. I'm 37, and this morning I got up, and my legs... They hurt when I got out of bed. And I'm thinking, I don't know how you that are older than me do it, but our bodies start to wear out. I, and it's been a few, it's been a while, Joe. I got to get back out on the basketball court, but it used to be I could play basketball all day and I could take a break in between and go right back at it. If I sit for five or ten minutes, I got to stretch back out because it just doesn't work the same as it used to. You have a favorite shirt that you used to wear, and either it gets worn out or your stomach grows and you won't fit in it anymore. Something happens. You might have a favorite dress or a favorite pair of pants. Eventually, over time, they wear out. Favorite car, they wear out or get in an accident, something of that nature, whatever the case may be. Nothing in this life lasts forever. The Bible said in those verses there, for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of men is the flower of the grass. And I think spring is a beautiful time in California where most of the hills are green, at least for like two weeks. It might be two weeks, three weeks, but the hills are at least green. And from the rain and everything else, and you look in like Chino Hill State Park for like three weeks, it's beautiful to go walking through there. It dries out pretty quick. But then you got the California poppies, and that, it's a beautiful wildflower. And I love how they, I love how when it starts to get dark, they actually close up. And then when the sun hits them, they open back up. And they're beautiful. I remember a couple years ago, by where my parents lived near Lake Elsinore, they had a super bloom down there. And that super bloom, people were coming from all over the place. And it was, and you're on the freeway just wanting to drive, and people are, you know, this California drivers, there's nothing on your side of the road, but there's something going on somewhere, so you got to slow your car down to five miles an hour and look at them and get in an accident, whatever the case may be. But they had to close part of the area off because people were trampling all the flowers. But you look today, and it looks like a desert there. And everything's dried out because the grass will come and go. The flowers come, but they fade away. Our flesh, the Bible says, is as the grass. It could be real nice and green. It could have patches of spots that are drying out. It could die completely. The flowers that come, the glory of men. All that we accomplish in life. You know, you look at it, you think about at work, you get to be 
employee of the year. Well, guess what? There's probably going to be a new employee of the year next year. And in 25 years, no one's going to remember that you were employee of the year in 1992. Because all of our glory fades. You play sports and you win a championship. The next day, you got to start working towards getting another championship. Literally, the grass withereth and the flower falleth thereof. But the word of God lasts forever. I want you to take your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter number 7. I want you to see what Jesus had to say. And then we'll go back to our text and we'll finish up the message this morning. Matthew chapter number 7. In verse 24, the Bible says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, verse 25, And the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus gives us a parable here, and he compares a wise man and a foolish man. Now let's get some facts about them before we go deeper into the message. What we see about the wise man is that the wise man hears the sayings of God, right? Do you see that there? So let's put that in our Let's put that in today's vernacular for us. So a, a wise person in 2022 will hear God's word. That's what it says to begin with, right? The Bible also tells us, and what Jesus said here is, the foolish man will also hear God's word. They both hear God's word. You see that there. Those that hear the saying of mine, you see that with both of them. The Bible says that the man that hears them on this side, the wise man, He's going to build his house on a rock. And a rock, I think that's a very good foundation. That's a good thing to have. It's solid. And that's what you need. And in our lives, we need to build our lives on the rock of Jesus Christ. We'll talk more about that here in a second. But the Bible tells us that this foolish man hears the sayings of God, but he builds his life, or, his, or he builds upon the sand, his house. Now, how many of you, I, I hate sand. How many of you agree with me? Anybody I, sand is awful. I really think before Adam and Eve sinned, before the world, everything happened, I think sand was perfect. How was it perfect? I don't have a clue, but it's just awful now. Say, well, you're doing a beach trip next week. I'm doing that for the church, not for me. I, I hate sand. I don't like walking in it. I don't like it in my, and afterwards, you know, after we leave there, the church van's going to, the church shuttle's just going to be a sand pit. That's how it always goes. Sand gets everywhere, and I just don't like sand. Say, what's your perfect? beach. The perfect beach for me is where you can walk almost all the way out on either concrete or something and you're right there and the sand, the wet sand isn't as bad as the dry sand and then you just live with that and I can live with that. Or you go to a beach with rocks. Dana Point. I love that little corner around there. You basically get to walk all the way out on concrete and then there's a step way down and there's rocks and I'm good. I don't need to go anyplace else. That's one of my spots I go to. That's good enough for me. But I wouldn't want to build a house on sand. I don't, my, it's hard for my kids to build their sandcastles on sand. they got to add some water so that it actually takes form and gets some shape. But easily gets broken. But you see, there are two different men that Jesus describes. 
One's a wise man. He hears what God has to say. One is a foolish man. He also hears what God has to say. The difference between being wise and the difference between being foolish is what you do with what you hear. The Bible says, He that heareth my sayings and doeth them is likened unto a wise man that builds his house on the rock. And when his house stands firm, because it's built on the rock, the foolish man, he hears the sayings of God, but he doesn't do them. And by not doing them, he builds his house on the sand, and when the hard times come, his house falls apart. So the difference in what we see, what's the difference between a wise Christian and a foolish Christian? Are you right? One who hears what God says and does what God tells them to do. Let me ask you this morning. Do you hear what God tells you, and do you do it? Or do you hear from God and not do it? For the next few minutes, I want to go off of that and talk about byproducts to obeying God's word. It would do us all good to obey God and his word. Life was so much better for me growing up as a kid when I would obey and do what my parents told me to do. It just made life a lot simpler. I never had them get mad at me for obeying. They never did. It's amazing how that worked. I could get them upset and I'd get in trouble for disobeying. But if I obeyed, life was pretty simple. Life it went pretty well. I want to talk for the next few minutes or preach on for the next few minutes the byproducts to obeying God's word. Let's look back at our text in 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to look at a couple, look at these verses here and we're going to dive right into our thoughts. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and the unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. I love that Peter reminds them, hey, this book is where the gospel comes from. And if this book's not going to fade away and it's going to last forever, I think your salvation's okay. I think you're safe. I think you're secure. As we look at this this morning, as we dive into the byproducts to obeying God's word, I want you to understand something that God's word, it will never pass away. Jesus said this, heaven and earth in Matthew, or Mark 13, 30, heaven and earth shall pass away but my word shall not pass away. Scripture talks about that not one jot or one tittle will pass away. And a jot and tittle, the crossing of the T, the dotting of the period, or the dotting of the I, it will not pass away. God's word will last forever. It's been forever settled in heaven. And so as we talk about obeying God's word and the byproducts of it, I want to give you number one, we see purification. Purification. Now as we stop to think on this last week, we looked and we saw how we're supposed to live holy lives. How can we live a holy life as a Christian? Our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's nothing good in that inside of ourselves. So how can we be purified? How does this work? Look what the Bible says. Look at verse number 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls, how? In obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unto love of the brother 
see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. What we see is in, oh, I've got to open up my notes. My notes haven't even been opened yet. That's bad when my notes haven't even been opened yet, and I'm just opening up my notes now. All right, that's good. It's good I had all that stuff ready. We're good, though. Purification, there we are. Say, how does that work? The Bible says that ye've purified your souls in obeying the truth. What is truth? What is truth? God's word. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Through who? The spirit. You see how the spirit plays a big role in that? How we walk in the spirit and will not fulfill the lust of the flesh? So seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit. The Bible tells us in uh, <clears throat> Luke eleven twenty eight. the Bible tells us, but he said, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it, obey it. The Bible tells us in Acts 5, 32, And ye are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Now, let me help you out this morning. You are saved by grace through faith. But there came a point when the word of God was given to you and the spirit of God worked on your heart. There was a point where you had to trust him, where you had to obey and you had to turn from what you were believing in and turn to Christ. That's what it's talking about, whom God also given to them that obey him. We also see the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse number 8, inflaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obeyed not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what a sad verse. Because someday there will be those that have obeyed the gospel, and there will be those that have not obeyed the gospel. And what have you done with the gospel? Your eternity depends on what you've done with the gospel. And the Bible says here, and that obeyed not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 11, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called, to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. What did he do? He obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. That's just a side note here. But something that I love about the Bible. Did Abraham go out and obey right away? It took a little bit of time for him to obey. The New Testament talks about David a lot too. In the book of Acts. Do you notice how... We don't hear all the bad. We as the people of God tend to remember all the bad about somebody. Somebody did this to me, and they did this, and they did this, and we forget about all the good. But God chooses to blot out the bad and to remember the good. What a thought. What a blessing. And so, did, and did Abraham obey? Yes, he did. Did it take time? It took some time. But he did obey. I'm glad that, and you know, that's one of the things I love about the Bible too. It tells us all things about people. If I were to write a book about myself, I'm probably not going to tell you all my bad things. Right? I'm probably going to keep that out. I'm going to tell you how good I am, right? And you can go through 
Testament things, and you see these people are, you know, Paul penning words of, that, through the Holy Spirit there. I'm the chiefest of sinners. Really? You want this in here? The Bible tells the whole truth. It tells us all about Satan. It gives us how he works, what he does, how it all happened. The Bible gives us all truth, and what a blessing that is. But we see that Abraham obeyed and went where God wanted him to go. The Bible tells us in 1 John 2, verse number 3, And hereby we do know that we love him if we keep his commandments. Hey, church, this morning as we talk about purification, how the Bible helps us, the Bible tells us in Psalm 119, it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. The Bible tells us in that same passage, Thy word have I hidden my heart, that I might not sin against thee. You see, church, we need not only to have a head knowledge, we need to get God's word hidden in our hearts and do what the Bible tells us to do. And one of the byproducts of doing what the Bible tells us to do is we see purification. Number two, we see love. We see love. We look at that verse again and it says, Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit, it says, Unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. How are you going to love one another? You need God's Word. You need to do what God's Word says. You know, you can go anywhere in this world and you can see people who can't get along. That's life. Drive down the road and see if everyone gets along with every other driver. I was driving yesterday, and this car next to me, this guy was sticking a finger out the window. I think it's like number one sign, something like that. He was pointing his finger like this. And he had to get next to this truck on the freeway and keep that finger out long enough for the guy to see it. And then I don't think the guy saw it, so he's honking his horn, sticking his finger out still, and trying to get all that. You, we see stuff like that all the time. Or you go into a store, and people are arguing and complaining about things. You go to Congress, they're all arguing about everything. You go to church, and everybody's arguing about everything. That's not how it's supposed to be. The Bible tells us in John 13, verse 34 and 35, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, and that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. You know what should be different about this place than anything else in the world? our love for one another. Imperfect people in love with an awesome God, loving and caring about one another. That's what it's supposed to be. Being able to put aside our petty differences and get along for the sake of the gospel and for Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible doesn't say you're going to know, you're going to know my followers by the way they dress or by what Bible they have under their arm. Or by what they do here and know, you're going to know God's followers by the love that they have for one another. How are we going to grow in our love? Well, the Bible tells us here that we're a new commandment that we're to love one another. So the Bible tells you what you need to do. If you obey it, you're going to have more love for one another, right? Right? Yeah, I think that's true. Some of you are like, am I supposed to? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay to answer me back on those ones. Love for one another. The Bible tells us in 1 John 2, verse number 5, look at this verse. But whoso keepeth his word, obeys, keepeth, same thing. 
in him verily love of God perfected, matured, complete. Hereby know we that we are in him. You see the importance of obeying the word of God and how it can help you grow in your life. Just as a kid, it was important to obey mom and dad. And the Bible's clear on that. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We as God's people need to obey God's word and do what he tells us to do. The byproducts of that is purification. Secondly, love. And thirdly, our eternity. See, we're saved today, not in what we've done, but in what Christ has done. But there was a moment we were born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. There was a day when the Spirit of God convicted your heart. How many of you remember the day you got saved? You might not know what day it was or the exact date. I remember hearing someone say at one time, you need to know the exact hour, you need to know the day, the year. I'm, I, the other day, it was our anniversary on, thir- on Friday, and I was telling people on Wednesday that it was our 17th anniversary. It's only our 16th. I was pushing another year. But when you're in paradise, it just doesn't matter, right? It just all works out well there. Yeah. But I was telling people it was 17 years, and it's only 16. And uh, you're not, just know that you're saved. And I remember the day I got saved. I don't remember all the details of it. I remember that I was in need of a Savior. I was, at, I was in junior church. We have special meetings at our church. And this guy was dressed up, and he played out the prodigal son story. And I remember while that was going on, my first mind is, I'm not really a son of God. I need to get saved so I can be a son. And someone shared with me from the Word of God, and those truths penetrated my heart. And I trusted Christ as my Savior that day. There was a day in your life, or maybe there hasn't been a day yet. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, today would be a great day to come to know Him. But if you're here this morning and you're saved, there was a day the Spirit of God convicted your heart. And you obeyed what the Spirit told you to. That's the difference between those that trust Christ and those that don't. There comes a point... The gospel's given. God works on a heart. And that's where I know there, and I might have some Calvinist friends in the room here, and some Calvinists, they have a very hard time when it comes to free will. Free will's, they're a very, they have a hard time with free will. A couple thoughts for you on free will. If there's no such thing as free will, then why put the tree in the garden? Because if there is no free will, just don't put the tree and we're all okay. The tree was there for them to choose. Now, yes, God knew what they were going to choose, and God knows all those things because God's sovereign. We understand that. But there is free will. Because someone will choose Christ, and there are others that will reject Christ. But there's a choice to be made. And so this morning, as we close out chapter number one, Peter wanted to remind the believers of the fact that we have a lively hope given to us through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've been given, we're kept by the power of God, we're given an inheritance. Hard times are going to come. But as hard times come, it's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. Until we see Jesus, live for him. Give him your very best. Do your best. Do your best to live a separated, holy life because he's a holy God. 
Because, and why should we do it? Because we've been born again, not with corruptible things, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And you've been born again by the word of God. And all that we do in this life will disappear. Someday, a fading memory of you will last. And someday, there's, if the Lord tarries, someday there'll be a pastor here that doesn't remember there was a pastor named Brian Pattison here. It'll happen. It's how life goes. But God's word never fails. And though we go through the tough times and though we need to live for him, obey his word, and at the end of the day, what we do for Christ will last. Everything on her, here, down here on earth, it rusts, it corrupts, but what's done for Jesus Christ, it will last. And eternity matters. We'll see more as we get to chapter 2 next week. Father.